Hi, this is Dion Bake from Butler Mortgage. We're currently ranked the number one mortgage brokerage in Ontario and number two in Canada. And much of our success is due to the fact that we help clients acquire multiple investment properties. If you'd like to talk with a mortgage advisor who specializes in investment property, you can reach me at 888-684-8326. To learn more about what's going on in the world of investment property financing, check out episode 23 of the Breakthrough Podcast, where I discuss the topic with Robin Sandy. Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast, episode 85. and welcome to the Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast. We put this show together to inspire you and help you break through to the life that you want to live through the power of real estate investing. My name is Rob Brake. Here with me again is Sandy McKay. What's up, Sandy? Hello. Hey, uh, what's up? Not too much. Just excited to do this again. Great guests lined up here waiting in the background here. And uh, yeah, lots of good stuff to get through. So I'm excited. Me too. I just want to encourage everybody before, or just, just put the show on pause, I guess, and go over to BreakthroughREIPodcast.ca and listen to all of the shows that came before this one. So don't listen to this one right now until you've heard all the rest, and then come back and listen to this one. Um, we've got 84 episodes that you can find all of them there. And, um, and the ones that are on iTunes, there's only about 50 of them there. So if you want to listen to the earlier ones, you got to go to the website, BreakthroughREIPodcast.ca. And uh, yeah, go over there, grab our uh, free report, again, the ultimate strategy for building wealth through real estate. And you can also uh, get on our list there to uh, get all of our updates on what we're up to, events, all that sort of stuff, and get notified of every episode that comes out so you don't have to uh, remind yourself every time. So get on that list. Mm-hmm. Get a bunch more stuff from us and uh, uh, learn something from that report. Yeah, come out and come out to our events too. Meet up with us and uh, see what's going on. I know Sandy runs events, what, once a month? Once a month, yeah, bit, around once a month. A couple of great ones coming up if someone's listening to this. When are we listening to this? Yeah, we're going to do we're doing one in uh, the end of April. If someone's listening to this uh, as it's just coming out going to be a good one around, uh, around raising money and joint venture partners. So always something new every month, but uh, that's, that'll be the next one coming up after this episode. So it's going to be a good one. Yeah. And I usually do one or two property tours a month. So yeah, if you just get on the uh, tour list, you will be able to know when those are. So, okay. Um, also, you know, if you go to the website, you can click on each guest that we have. So today we have Jared Henderson. And if you want to see his information, how to get in contact with him, just click on the show notes for that episode in the website and you'll be able to see his phone number, all that stuff and give him a call and talk. So uh, that being said, one last thing before we get to the interview is if you go over to iTunes, you can leave us a rating and review. And right now we've got 215 ratings. Um, We've just got one since the last time I read them. So I'll read that one now. And it's actually a four star. Um, I think it's because of the quality of our sound. And I would tend to agree with this because although I wasn't there, uh, I did listen to your episode with Gary, which was fantastic. Um, and and he sounded like his, his audio was 
flawless, like sounded like he was in a studio. And and My ours is not so great. Like, you, I know right now you could probably hear noises coming from the house here, and uh, you, like you're a little echoey and stuff like that. So, I don't know. We we should take a little bit of time and and focus on that. But uh, so this person says, great content, okay sound quality, yeah. and this is by uh, MacGyver C. And he says, Sandy, Rob, please listen to how smooth Gary sounded in your most recent podcast and compare it to how you sound. Echoes everywhere. Ask Gary how he does it. That being said, the content on here is really amazing. Great interviews and great info. I've listened back to episode uh, 65 and will keep working my way back. Keep up the great work. And I loved the Belize episode. There you go. A little bit of a contrast to the last one. So, cool. Well, five years in, we, we're kind of still running off kind of what we were always running off. We're probably <laughs> going to do for an upgrade, right? All these new, all these people come out with new shows and they've got upgraded uh, uh, tech gear and all that. So, yeah, like I, I feel like mine should great. sound better. You know, I'm running it through the, running, running it through a soundboard and everything here, but I don't really know how to use it. So I just kind of plugged it in and it works. It gets the audio into the recorder. So, um, that was the goal. I haven't really worked on making it sound better. I don't well, know. Same here. It's pretty oh, good. It's pretty good. I, I imagine mine's. I imagine mine's not the best, but uh, but uh, we will uh, work on that really soon. I thought you bought a a microphone. I I did, and then it. I I, I don't know. Long story. Long story. <laughs> we got something new going. I promise. Okay. Okay, anyways, enough about that. Uh, today, we are here to talk to Jared Henderson. So welcome, Jared. Thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, uh, Jared, uh, I'll just read through a quick little, quick little bio, and you can add to it if you want. Jared was born and raised in Montreal. Uh, I started investing in, in Niagara Falls in 2012, and I purchased two condos. And, and since then, he's grown his portfolio in, uh, in around Niagara Falls, St. Catharines, uh, region and then out into Peterborough as well and uh, kind of cool he's doing that from still still living in Montreal correct that's right cool. yeah so I think we're gonna we're gonna focus on that quite a bit today is you know it's interesting because you're quite far away from your investment properties so we'll dig a little bit deeper into how you do all that how you manage it from afar I guess yeah Nice. Yeah, so thanks okay. for being here. And, and, you know, we are going to talk about uh, your opinion on the state of the golden horseshoe market, which is uh, in the Toronto area and all the way down around the lake and, and back up to my area here in Oshawa. Um, and, you know, how you generate cash flow as the area becomes more challenging. So thanks, man. Thanks for being here. I love it, Rob. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So let's just dive right in with how you got started in real estate investing. Do you want to tell us a bit about that? Yeah. So um, about seven years ago, I was in internet advertising for myself and I had a strong earnings here and I, I wanted to invest the savings, uh, but I really didn't know exactly where to start. I wanted to invest in real estate, uh, but like anyone, you don't know, uh, you don't know what you don't know. And uh, I didn't have a network of people who were doing it, but uh I met a friend of mine who told me about an opportunity to invest in a condo project where an apartment building was being convert into, converted into a condominium uh, building and they were looking for investors. And this was the type of investment that made sense to me because it involves buying the real estate. 
uh, but having someone else manage the property. And uh, I thought it was um, a, a good idea to, to break into the, the market that way. And so I bought two condos in Niagara Falls in 2012, and that was my first real estate investment. Okay, and that was more, yeah, that was just really a, a passive investment almost. You didn't really get to go and, uh, and walk around in the places, that kind of thing, right? Like, Correct. Very, very much hands-off. Very much hands-off, basically. Uh, receive rent every month, see the property statement uh, of, uh, of income versus expenses, and just wait for it to appreciate, pay down the mortgage, and uh, sort of a buy-in old investment. Yeah. Yeah. So it definitely was hands off. That's for sure. So was, was there sort of an aha moment for you where you, where you said real estate is something I'm going to look into, or was it more, uh, there was more of that moment say after you started investing? Uh, I, I always wanted to get into it. Um, basically I read rich dad, poor dad in 2005. Uh, I love the book, but I never, really took action until later on. Um, I knew that real estate was, I, I never say a risk-free, but a very stable way of growing wealth uh, between uh, the debt pay down appreciation and cash flow. It sounded like something that made sense where you could start small and then within a few years grow something substantial if you did it responsibly. And um, I really liked that idea versus, I don't know, other uh, hands-on methods of starting my own, uh, well, right now, Amazon business or another type of active business because I'm fairly busy with what I do uh, as a day job. So it's sort of a way of passively investing in an area where I believe there's going to be substantial growth without ha um, having to, for example, manage the properties myself. And you can get into that as well. Mm -hmm. uh, what do you do for a day job? So I'm a sheet metal salesman. Uh, we have a family business called ISC Metal. And I basically sell sheet metal to manufacturers. We laser cut, bend, weld, plate metal. And right. sell them to, uh, to other manufacturers who uh, assemble them into their final product and sell them to consumers. So we're, we're B2B. And um, my, my job is to find these clients, meet with them, and get them buying from ISC. Okay, nice. Yeah. Is that just local or just that? Well, the Sherbrooke's based out of, uh, sorry, the, uh, the business is based out of Sherbrooke, Quebec. And um, I live in Montreal. I'm back and forth all the time. I focus on, in particular, a five-hour radius from the plant. After that, the transportation costs of the metal becomes prohibitive. And so there is sort of a, a radius or um, uh, limits to the, the, the regions in which I can sell. Okay. Tune into Jared's sheet metal podcast for more <laughs> info on that. I don't know. Absolutely. I'll start one later on. <laughs> okay. Uh, great. Well, thanks for sharing that with us anyway. Yeah. So uh, what, like, I guess uh, I'm going to switch these two questions around here because I think they're in the wrong order of what I wrote them, but how much learning did you do before you took action then and bought the first property? What was that process like? Yeah. So my learning, as I mentioned before, was basically only, theoretical. Um, I, along with Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I read a few other books. I liked the idea, um, never really took action until I had the opportunity there. I was never actively looking for it. I never uh, knew of, for example, Rockstar Real Estate or these, these networks that supported uh, newbie investors 
and sort of holding their hands along the, the process of purchasing their, their first home. So all my education was based on the books that I had read, but I never really did uh, specific research on cities, trends, population growth, infrastructure development, and all the factors that um, contribute to um, a strong investment opportunity. So what did you do then? I guess I met Patrick. <laughs> He's a, he, he was the friend of the friend who uh, had invested in this condominium type investment. And uh, I met with the, the guy who was responsible for, for selling units for the project and, and, uh, and, and took action then. And that was my first step. And then uh, a few years later, after I had seen some appreciation in the Niagara market, I started looking to Hamilton and other markets to really understand what was happening, why were prices going up, um, and sort of really delved into the fundamentals that I, I didn't understand before. Okay, so you got you got started in the Ontario market, even though you live in Montreal, I guess, through yeah. that friend. But yeah. all of your investing is not with that partner, is it? No, 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 no. not at all. Not at all. So uh, why did you why did you decide to stay here then, as opposed to doing something more local in Montreal? Yeah, I do believe in the long term fundamentals in the uh, in the GTA, uh, with the the lake to the south, the green belt to the north. There are limited availabilities to build, and in particular, as you can see in the trend, there's less and less single family homes being built due to high land and construction costs. Um, I really like the strategy aspect of it. That's what really gets me going. And so I rent here in Montreal because I can't justify buying a place when I believe long-term uh, the appreciation will be in the markets that I'm investing in. So if I can rent here and invest in, in neighborhoods that I believe will, will appreciate, that, that to me is the, the optimal strategy. Gotcha, okay. Yeah, that's interesting. So. What is this? What, what is the strategy? What type of properties do you invest in? Yeah, so uh, I'm, I'm partial to raised bungalows for a number of reasons. Uh, typically, they're affordable. Uh, I, as I mentioned, I, I like detached homes. They appreciate more than semis or condos on average uh, as they're more scarce. The raised aspect is important to me because I'm always looking to either add bedrooms or a full second suite in the basement. And um, I want as much light in there as possible. So the, there's a, a decent quality of living in the basement. Um, so there's a bonus if there's um, already a lot of windows, so I don't have to install them as it's a cash expense. And I'd say the same thing goes for a, um, a side entrance that leads to the basement. So any, any cost that I can save uh, post-purchase is, is, is money in my bank. Okay, and then um, and then what do you do with these properties? So in Peterborough, I'm doing student rentals. So typically there's a recreational room in the basement that's uh, between 10 and 20 feet, but, sorry, 10, 10 feet by 20 feet. And I'll turn that into uh, another couple bedrooms. So the goal is to purchase a property that has uh, three plus bedrooms and end up with a property that has six bedrooms after throwing up drywall. If a second, uh, sorry, a second um, bathroom is needed in the basement, uh, I'll create one there, uh, as well as any other modifications to the property. 
And in St. Catharines, I'm doing second suites where I'll uh, basically do an entire unit in the basement to collect a second rent for the property. I'm a big believer in getting two rents versus one. As cash flow becomes more and more challenging, uh, I'm not a fan of uh, buying single family homes and renting them out as is, uh, just because I, I need to see that cash flow as expenses come up. I, I uh, want to maximize the amount of rent and um, I do that by creating a second unit or additional bedrooms. Okay, and so your, your properties that you have in St. Catharines are, are two units? Correct. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. And then in, and then in the other market, which you said is Peterborough, you're investing in student rentals there. Correct. And, you know, there's what I particularly like about Peterborough, there's an exit strategy when I'm in a student rental. For example, if uh, there's going to be appreciation down the line where we see more and more second suites um, being refinanced, we'll, we'll start seeing comps and understanding uh, how the, the the market develops. What I like about a student rental is uh, I have the ability to turn that into either a, a second suite or uh, back to a single family home and sell it down the line if the uh, the market appreciates and that's a, it's a reasonable exit strategy. Yeah, yeah. So I like having multiple options. Uh, I don't like being uh, pegged into one corner where all I can do is one thing and if it doesn't work, I need to sell. I, I don't like that, uh, uh, that strategy. I, I enjoy being flexible and having it's options. A, it's a good one too, because obviously you, your, your capital expense up front is a lot less than adding a second suite. Definitely. So the, the, the properties that I've purchased in Peterborough typically require about 10 to $20,000. And uh, the, the second suites in St. Catharines would require between 50 and 70 depending on the, uh, the property. It all depends on what's been done in the basement and um, the, the changes that need to, to be made based on the city's requirements. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what kind of challenges uh, have you faced then going through, you've done a couple different strategies, you're uh, pretty far away from some of your properties. What kind of challenges does all that create? Yes, yeah, so um, well, challenges, well, from the beginning when I bought those two condos, I, uh, I unfortunately inherited tenants. So those, those types of problems come up as, as rookie mistakes where um, you inherit a tenant and uh, unfortunately can't get them out because uh, they're allowed to stay and they're paying under market rent. Um, that, that I've learned from. Now, the, the irony is in the beginning when I first started investing, my biggest fear was not finding a renter and not getting rent collected. Uh, because I'm going to buy this thing and how am I going to pay for it? Um, right now, uh, that's about the furthest thing from my fear. And I would, uh, I would require buying anything to be, uh, uh, I would require vacant possession when, when buying anything uh, as an investment these days. Um, challenges with respect to property management, uh, nothing, definitely nothing is perfect. You have to start out somewhere and um, what I would say uh, and what I give advice to, to beginning investors is start networking with people who are investing in your neighborhoods and look for references for strong uh, property managers and, uh, and contractors to help you out and support you throughout the process. Um, we're all here to support each other and, and help each other out. And so by networking and uh, talking with people, 
who, who have had uh, positive and negative experiences with, with their team, um, it, it makes you a better investor. And there's no need to make certain mistakes that could be avoided through networking with um, like-minded investors. All right. So I don't want to glaze over it. So let's go back to the challenge. So your challenge was the tenants were in there, right? You inherited yes. them. Yeah. Okay. So, so we, 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 we skipped the, how did you overcome it part? What happened? Overcoming it. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, we, need to, we need to figure out how you got around or through yeah, your challenge. Of course. Right? That's how you grow. <laughs> so uh, I didn't mention this is a bit of a funny story. It depends on your perspective of funny, but one of the tenants that I inherited was a hoarder. Okay. And uh, I couldn't get her out. Of course <laughs> I, shouldn't be laughing i out of, <laughs> it's I, funny in retrospect that's all yeah I, I, out, of, out of health concern of course i got the fire department in there and although she had junk stacked up floor to ceiling they couldn't do anything because she had quote unquote means to regress so she could she had enough space in between her piles of junk to exit the front door and unfortunately the fire part, department did not consider it a fire hazard um after phone calls with the property management company, I finally got a hold of her son. <clears throat> and so, uh, you know, unfortunately she wasn't mentally healthy. Um, and I was able to at least deal with someone who has her best interests at heart. And he said, look, Jared, I'm, you know, I, I know it's a matter of time. I, I need her to move close to me. He was living in St. Catharines at the time. So I negotiated something with him where um, we were able to get her to move out of the apartment. Uh, there was a bit of an incentive there with respect to it was four or five months rent and mm -hmm. um, we got it all out and, and paying to get all our stuff out as well was a significant cost. A lot of bins uh, were in that, um, were in that parking lot to, to get rid of everything she had. So yes, it, it was overcome. It took time and mm -hmm. um, look in the end, it's worth it. I, I bought that place for 155,000. And I sold it last year, once renovated for about uh, six. Uh, sorry, uh, two hundred and fifty-seven thousand. No, no, not six. <laughs> well, why would I begin with that? Two hundred and fifty-seven thousand. So look, I made money in the end. It was something that I wasn't interested in holding in terms of long term because I wouldn't experience decent cash flow after the refinancing and um, and renovations. I, I just chose to to get out of it and invest in single-family homes. So. Long story short, I got a hold of the decision maker, negotiated a, a mutually beneficial uh, deal, and executed it. Okay, yeah, thanks for sharing that because that is difficult, right? Like, so, so now you're strictly against taking anything with tenants in, or, or is there like a caveat to that rule? Uh, no, not not necessarily. If they're paying market rent, if uh, they're, if it's in a good neighborhood then I'm not really fearful of inherited tenants as much. Um, it's just the ones that I did inherit, uh, inherit were, uh, were, were of, of lesser quality, were, were not tenants that I would buy a property with. Mm. That's all. Yeah, or, so you, you live and learn. And it was my first experience. And, uh, and look, in the end, as you know, most investors learn by losing money. And I didn't lose money. It, I just required a lot of patience, let's just say. Mm -hmm. A lot of patience. A lot, a, lot, a lot of phone calls and, um, and negotiating. But in the end, all, 
it, it worked out. So it was an experience, that's for sure. What about other challenges? You got any others? Yeah. Well, I invested in, um, in a couple of single family homes in Hamilton after Niagara Falls, and they weren't in the, the greatest neighborhood. They were um, in downtown, um, not the greatest tenant profile. And although they did appreciate, as Hamilton is, it's a, it's a strong area to invest in, um, I had issues with tenants and uh, I had to evict one family and uh, I didn't have a renewal on the other. So I basically just decided from there, then and there that I would take the, the money from the sale and invest in, in stronger neighborhoods in sort of what you'd say A class or A minus neighborhoods where um, you can just attract a better tenant profile and not deal with uh, the vacancy that I, that I needed to, to suffer from. Because a lot of real estate agents will tell you about cash flow. You, you have to make sure that their, their estimate, it's based on the, the neighborhood you're investing in. For example, if you're investing in a C-class neighborhood and you've got a, a projected cash flow statement, it better include a higher amount of vacancy because you're, you're gonna deal with certain problems that you won't in other neighborhoods. And so I learned my lesson quickly there and uh, have adjusted, especially investing from a distance. Uh, it makes most sense to invest in stronger neighborhoods in, uh, in the, in the a, a minus B plus type neighborhoods where you're, you're not going to deal with vacancy, non-payment of rent and whatnot. I mean, problems are always going to come up in, in any neighborhood. It's fine, but you want to mitigate, uh, you want to mitigate the losses and, and give yourself the best chance of succeeding. Mm -hmm. You know what I would say, typically now, so like uh, the, the, the type of properties you said you invest in is raised bungalows. Yeah. And so, you know, I would say typically you're probably not going to find those in the, in the areas where you might have trouble. I know I'm generalizing a little bit, but the, the, the raised bungalows are typically in a family area that's, you know, a little further away from downtown, let's say that kind of thing. So probably just with that, that might be part of the decision on why you like that style of house as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, it also got me out of single family into, uh, I, I think in general, as you, you know, the, the bungalows are easily converted to more, more easily converted to a, a second unit than, than, than a standard uh, two story house in general, mm -hmm. not, not always, but I, I just, find the layout conducive to uh, modifications. Jared, what sort of vacancies uh, are you running your numbers with just out of curiosity? I think a lot of, a lot of listeners, uh, a lot of realtors, I guess, would probably not even put that in their numbers when they're presenting properties and listings. So what kind of numbers yeah. do you usually use and how do you go about changing them in, in when you're looking at different areas and that sort of thing? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, um, I typically use 5% in, in my neighborhoods, my current neighborhoods, um, there is very low vacancy and uh, I, I do use 5%. However, I perhaps should use something like maybe 7 or 8% just as a buffer. Um, you know, as investors, if, you if you're like me, if you're paying someone to manage the property, there's, there's a lease up fee. So there's one month's rent right there. And um, Anytime you, you have that turnover, you're going to have to pay that continuously. So it, it, it does make sense to 
be conservative on the side of vacancy, perhaps go up to something like 10% so that you're, you're covered. Um, like I said, a lot of, let's just say, a, not all, but uh, many uh, realtors who will give you an Excel and a pro forma a breakdown uh, of the numbers will show you, uh, I don't know, a, a 3% vacancy. But the reality is when there's, um, when there's a problem, that, that 3% goes up to something like 20% when, you're, when your costs don't reflect that vacancy at all. So it's, it's much better to be conservative and uh, expect turnover and make sure the property cash flows healthily uh, before buying that property. <clears throat> and maintenance too. I think a lot of people miss the maintenance and vacancy uh, allowances in their numbers, maybe, right? Yeah, absolutely. So the, the three, I forget, maybe the, I forget the third ones so would be maintenance, vacancy, and oh yeah, well, property management as well. I need to put in property management, but I find that many of the pro formas that uh, some realtors uh, dish out will not have that property management fee in it, even if uh, the the investor intends to use property management. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Well, it's tough and it's a little bit of a lesson. Like I'll guide people along, but I, I generally won't give a pro forma unless somebody specifically asks me for one because I like people to do that for themselves. And of course, because I think, and, and, and some people don't maybe know how to do it, but I have a good, I have a good um, spreadsheet that I use and I'll, and I'll, and I'll share it but I like people to put in their own numbers, the ones that they feel comfortable with, right? And yeah. that way, and then they can send it back to me and ask me my opinion, but you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, a lot of times the property management's left out, and most of the time that's because it's, it, it may or may not be a cost that somebody is incurring, right? It's good to have it in there just, just to uh, it's an expense in one way or the other though, right, Rob? If I'm, if I'm not paying someone to manage my properties, I've got to manage it myself. Exactly. I know I live seven hours away from my place, but I, yeah. I need to get paid for my time or at least I, I need to be compensated in some form of it. So it, it wouldn't be fair to say that uh, property management is free if I'm managing my own property. It's not free because my time isn't free. No, you're absolutely right about that. But I think that that's something that, I mean, a lot of people, especially when they're new, they'll, they'll give their time to uh, a project yeah. and not, and not have a monetary value put on that. Yes. You know, especially people that are doing big rentals and that kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, look, if I'm doing, if I'm doing a, um, if I'm doing a two unit conversion, let's say, and I, and I'm, putting the numbers down well I'm not and and I'm the property expert partner let's say okay well there's not the value for me is an equity in the property so there's not going to be any account of a monetary value for what I'm bringing right to the sweat equity yeah you know it's it, there's all different things and that's why again so that was strictly my point is like everyone's going to fill out their performance differently and uh yeah and and i encourage people to get comfortable with uh with a spreadsheet right so that they can punch the numbers in and quickly see what what they're looking at yes no i, I think that's that's wise because they'll learn um one thing i would suggest is 
for investors to if, new investors to to come up with their performa and and show it to an experienced investor, and um, we could likely poke holes in it to show them some spots that they haven't considered that will impact their cash flow. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's especially important as property prices continue to rise, as mortgage rates are much higher now than they were last year, and uh, there's the stress test and, and lending and sorry borrowing becomes much more challenging. That's that's my point um, as well. Where it it's good to um, to believe in your uh, in your cash flow projection, but show it to someone else who's in it uh, who's in the same game and who has a few properties and ask them what they think. It's just great to, uh, uh, to learn. And it's something that people should try from because they're gonna experience it one way or the other. It's, it's, it's just the reality of, of investing. Well, you know what, like you're part of a real estate group, I'm sure. And, uh, and I know just from being around you that we have quite a community of investors that we all uh, talk to who are investing in that Peterborough market. Yeah. But um, no matter where you are, one of one of Sandy and I's, you know, long time uh, pieces of advice, I guess, is to join a real estate club. And the people that you meet there, they're not going to say, hey, pal, like, I don't have time to look at this for you. You know, everybody is there to share and, and help each other grow. So it's, yeah. I and mean, you should, and those people should, because they've, they've been there before where they didn't have anything and they wanted to buy one property and start out. And absolutely. And I, I'll always give my time for people who, uh, who are looking to, to learn and, uh, and get into the market. Yeah. So good advice. Thanks, Jared. Um, any other points on managing properties from a distance then, or do we kind of kind of covered a bit of that already, but any other, any other big points on that? Managing from a distance means I manage property managers. <laughs> They're not all perfect. When problems do come up, you need to handle them immediately and responsibly. And uh, just because things aren't perfect with one property manager doesn't mean you, you, you switch up and look for someone else right away. Um, you have to understand that it's not, an, it's that property management is definitely not an easy business. The point is to communicate your goals as an investor and your expectations uh, like any other business. And if they, if they fail to meet them, then it, it makes sense to move on and find someone new. But um, I found that keeping close ties with your property managers and understanding what's going on, where you are and where you're going is very healthy. So you just have to keep that line of communication open. Um, I started investing in real estate because I believe in uh, the, its long-term value, but I never wanted to manage my properties because I believe that I can make more money by acquiring properties and forming um, joint venture strategic partnerships with people to acquire more properties than, uh, than managing my properties. Uh, real quick then, before we let it go, you did say that you have some uh, challenges with property management. Would you want to talk about maybe some of them? Oh, sure. Well, um, you know, Certain houses, for example, could stay vacant for uh, not, not, not the whole house, but one unit uh, or either one unit or a couple of bedrooms could be vacant for a month or two. And I've got to communicate a sense of urgency to the property manager who doesn't, they might not want to fill it as fast as I do. And I understand that you want it to be filled with a quality tenant. That's number one, because there, there are bigger problems when you, when you fill it with a poor quality one. Um, but basically, 
just to communicate what's going on with each property, their, their plan on um, uh, having it, having rents maximized, having happy tenants, and um, your, just basically understanding your expectations mm -hmm. in, in, as far as filling up vacancy. Vacancy has been one thing that I, I've had an issue with certain property managers with respect to, I, I want it eliminated. I, I, I want my units always to be full. And you know, of, of course, I know that's not 100% uh, realistic, but the truth is they don't lose as much money as I do when the unit is vacant. And I'm well aware of the rental demand in the areas that I'm investing in, okay? So it's about bridging the gap between uh, their reason or excuse of why something is vacant versus what the numbers are telling me and what um, other investors are experiencing in their own properties, regardless of whether they manage them or not. Right. And, and getting max rent. Uh, as you know, Robin Peterborough, they're, I believe they're different property managers that get different rents for the same bedroom. Why is that? You, know, you have to ask yourself these questions and then um, as, you, as you do that and understand the value that they're giving, you, you'll, you'll, you'll get the correct answer in the end. It's just, it's, it's something you need to keep on top of. Yeah, and I think your main point there is just to make sure that they have the time and the ability to, to give the focus that you need to your property, right? Yeah. You don't want them to be too busy that your vacancy becomes lower on their priority list. Correct. Um, so, okay. Yeah. And, and, and I would tend to agree with you. I mean, just because I know personally uh, of what you're speaking, you know, there, there, that was a property management issue, Correct. right? So you have to identify it, I think, and you did and, and, you know, move on, take the proper steps. It's the same as when we run into, I mean, with Tom, just on the last episode, uh, Sandy, we were talking about the renos not going the way that we want with the contractors and that kind of thing. So at a certain point, you just have to realize that maybe things aren't going the way that they're supposed to and be able to take the, the appropriate action if, you know, when and if that is needed. All right. It's tough. You ever fired a property management company, Sandy? <clears throat> uh, you know what? Yes. Yeah. Only once, I think. Was it that? So why? Because we started our own. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so not because there was a big issue with them or anything. No, but I mean, it, it, I mean, part of the reason we started our own was because there was issues, right? I mean, there's, okay. there's, yeah. there's, um, there. It's a challenging business. Uh, having gotten a lot more involved in it lately than I have been in the past, it's definitely a challenging business. It's a lot of people. Uh, it, it, it sometimes. Uh, you know, tenants are, are difficult sometimes for sure. And, uh, and then as long as your communication is good, I think you can manage the, the investor pretty well and, and their needs and expectations and everything. As long as the communication's there, I think it's, it's usually can go pretty well, but if the communication breaks down and, and all of a sudden, you know, an investor is getting upset for whatever reason, it can turn into, uh, it can turn into, you know, getting a lot of, of hate kind of come at you from every direction because tenants yeah, are upset yeah, yeah. with things and then investors are upset with different things and you're kind of just uh, everyone's, everyone's, uh, everyone's excuse, I guess, for having issues with the property. But it's, 
it's a good business if you if you run it well and, and have good communication i think is really a, a big key component of it yeah Could i gotta give a that? oh go ahead I was just going to give a shout out to the good property managers because it is tough. Like yes, a, couple, is. A, couple, a couple of years ago, um, I decided to start a property management company as well. And it didn't last too long. It was very, very time consuming, right? So um, I didn't probably start it in the, in the right way. I was more involved in it than I probably should have been if, if one is going to start a property management company. But I uh, had about maybe five or six properties under management and just that in itself spread me way too thin. So I know how time consuming and tough that that can be. Yeah. yeah. Well, what I was going to say to Sandy, it's funny, my realtor in uh, the Niagara region, uh, Erica Spencer, she started up a property management company based on the same reasons you did where she wasn't happy with the way her properties were being managed and she decided to take the bull by the horns and, and do it herself. So, um, mm. yeah, and it's it, like you said, Rob, it's not easy. And um, there's only so many things you can do and focus on to be productive. And if, if you can outsource it like I do, uh, you, just, you just do it and do it to the best of your abilities to, to make it all work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sandy, do you manage other people's properties or just yeah, your own? You manage no, properties for, and you've never talked about having a property management company. <laughs> we, we were kind of keeping it uh, low key for a while because it was, uh, it was, I don't know, we, we were doing it a lot of our own stuff and debating how big we wanted to make it. Right. Um, because it is, it is one thing to manage your own stuff and a whole totally different ballgame to manage other people's properties. Uh, yeah, true enough. Yeah, and we had. Let me guess, Sandy. You'd you'd much rather focus your energy on investors buying properties in Hamilton than <laughs> ten more property management clients in your business. Is that a stab in the dark, or is that, is that? Yes and no. Yes and no. I think as as we've built it up now, <clears throat> um, uh, we've started to to see that it benefits everything. It, they're all connected, right? So they're complementary yeah. businesses, right? If we can pick up some more investors that that own properties already. Well, when they go to perhaps buy their next one, they might look mm -hmm. at that and, and think they're, they're two separate companies, but they're connected, right? We're the same ownership group. And well, it's a positive feature for your investors because just like myself or, or other investors, if we can deal with a, an agent who understands real estate investing and they can support us at post purchase, there's a lot of value in that. So I, I commend you. That's, that's exactly, a, yeah. That's when it's going to help you expand your business. That's for sure. Yeah. Maybe one day you'll tell us about it. <laughs> you can, you can, everyone, if any listeners are out there and they have properties in the Hamilton area, they can reach out to me and we can discuss it. It's, uh, we are a bit selective on who we work with. We want to, we want to avoid uh, making this a, a company that, uh, that gets yeah. us too, uh, too many issues there. But we are, we're pretty leveraged with it now. So it's running really well, actually. Um, so that's why we've started to kind of pump it up a bit more and get, uh, get the word out there. Um, and, uh, we do take on only, only, only investors and, and people, property owners who, uh, we know are going to be a good fit with our, our company and mm -hmm. not just everybody. I think a lot of issues, particularly Hamilton, cause it's got a whole mix of, of neighborhoods and, and, uh, you know, there's, there's some great areas and there's some challenging ones and really, really tough property. We will just, yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah. 
because it's, um, it's not worth our time at the end of the day sometimes. But it's a really, really challenging business. It can be run really well, but it's uh, definitely, like you said, I, 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 uh, I got a soft spot now for, for good property managers because it, it is a fun, rewarding business, but it's got some big challenges for sure. Okay. Well, any, anyone wants to hear about that, reach out to Sandy. Um, it's not the Sandy show though, Sandy. We're going to talk to Jared. <laughs> First thing I'm oh, uh, talking about it. I love learning about other people's experiences all the time. Yeah. I just got to jab him either way, no matter what he does. <laughs> yes. um, so Jared, what does your portfolio look like now? How did you get from that, those first couple in, and to where you are? Yeah, so after buying the condos in Niagara Falls, I was able to refinance both of those properties in 2016. And uh, that's when I started educating myself about the growth of the Hamilton market. And I bought two single family homes there. Um, like I said, based on my experience, I, I sold them a year later just because of the tenant issues. And since then I've redeployed that capital to St. Catharines and Peterborough. So I'm focusing all my energy on St. Catharines and Peterborough as my, my two hubs of growth. And uh, that's where I am. Nice, okay. Um, so then how do you get financing for, the, for all these places? Scotiabank was very good to me for the first for the first five properties and then um, it became challenging after that so uh, I'm actively looking for joint venture partners who are interested in the golden horseshoe uh, I've educated many people in Montreal who always wanted to get into real estate investing but never took the, the first few steps and I explained you know my experience what I've done and uh, how can I how I can assist in getting a, getting a deal, purchasing it and, and managing it. And so I'm looking for investors who can uh, qualify on the financing end and uh, put up the capital for these homes. Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's, a, that's a good strategy, Jared. Absolutely. So yeah, I have my, I, my goal for 2019 is three joint ventures. I have one already looking for two more um, as as you know, for anyone who wants to contact me, just check out the, the show notes, my email and numbers there. So don't hesitate. Um, absolutely, yeah, I encourage people to reach out to you. You certainly uh, know your, uh, your economics and your markets and uh, you know how to run this thing. So uh, I think you'd be a great partner for people. Uh, what, else, what, else are, what else you got on top moving forward? Like what motivates you and how do you get inspired to keep going with all this stuff? Yeah, I, I really enjoy being around other like-minded investors and entrepreneurs in general and, um, you know, seeing what they've done to grow their business. Uh, I, I simply don't have the excuse to not do that for myself once you're part of these networks and you see the great things that, that people are doing, their strategies. I really love learning about what, what other people are doing uh, as the, the market changes uh, year over year, um, you know. Real estate's definitely not a get-rich-quick scheme, um, but I find that time, time goes by faster and faster as I get older. So, um, you know, the funny thing is one thing that kept me back from, from investing so much over the years is listening to people, how the crash is coming, how everything's overpriced, uh, you know, all the naysayers. But um, this, despite those fears, you, you basically have to make the decision for yourself that you, you fear 
uh, you fear not making the move. You fear not taking action because that's far worse um, than uh, expecting expecting the crash or something bad to happen. Um, yeah, but I, in terms of getting me motivated, what I really love is uh, networking with like-minded investors and seeing what they're doing and um, just setting the bar higher and higher for myself. It's, uh, it can be a lonely sport at times where if, if you're the only one in it and investing in your own properties and dealing with your own problems, then um, it's easy to, to, to dwell and say, well, what am I really doing? But it becomes much more rewarding when you're sharing your experience with other investors and, and you grow from there. Yeah. I mean, you, you have to sort of pick a side. I find real, you know, real estate investors buy all the time. And the ones who are waiting for the crash, they're, they're never going to buy even when there is a crash because the, the credit supply is going to tr- shrink and they won't even be able to borrow. So it, you really sort of have to pick a side and take action. I, I, you know what, you're absolutely right, Jared. I mean, there's always something to wait for. It doesn't matter when. If there's a crash, they go, well, it's going to keep dropping. I yeah. can't buy now. It's going to keep dropping. Yeah. It's on its way up. Well, it's on its way up. Prices are too expensive. It's just no matter what, you can find an excuse to not go. You can yep. always do that. And like you said, I think I, I love that bit of advice that you just gave. And that was um, to, to, to be afraid of not taking that move. What happens if you don't do it? That's something that people should be more concerned with. Um, Most people don't see things that way, but we need to start thinking that way because that's actually the reality because it just leads to regret. You know, if you, it's always fun to, yeah, I should have, should have bought Bitcoin a few years ago. I mean, you know, I guess what I'm trying to say is you have to get to the point where you see other action takers and how they've benefited and stop trying to project things out uh, in a way that, that can be an unknown. Uh, If if you take the long term, if you take the long view when it comes to real estate investing, you will be fine. But it it does begin by taking action and not uh, Mm. and not just showing up to a seminar and doing nothing with it. You cannot and correct me if I'm wrong, you cannot buy a property at this point in time, five years ago. Now, it's just as far as I know, you just can't do it. No. So you really, the only time you can do it is now. Yeah. 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 Uh, Sandy, do you know how to buy a property five years ago right now? I haven't come up with that, that answer yet, but that'd be, that'd be something. I'd, if I'd, if I'd, he I'd, could, Ross, if he could, idea. if he could, he'd sell everything he owns and borrow everything he could. Right. Right. <laughs> if he could. And so would but, I. And but so it's so you. funny. I truly believe that we'll all be saying that in five years from now too. 100%. So yeah. Should, yeah. Everyone should be buying as much property as they can right now. Cause it's, now you're getting it. Now you're getting it. Yeah. It's only going to continue <laughs> to be, it's going to continue to tighten. And in five years, we'll still think it's a great investment and we'll still be buying properties in five years, but you should do what you could do now. Right. Exactly. Well, one thing also, I think that, um, uh, shifts people's mindset is that the right way of putting it or yeah. um sorry their, their perspective it's their perspective on money I mean, we were talking about this before the podcast rob where um you know I, it even happens with investors now who bought for you know 50k 100k below uh 
the current market uh, a year or two ago. And so they say, well, prices are so high right now, I can't, you know, I can't justify or it doesn't make sense. But the truth is that, you know, that line of logic doesn't really work because you're saying that prices are high now, but they're not going to get any higher. And that doesn't resonate with me because um, who are they to decide that the market has hit its, its cap? Yeah, I don't think anybody's actually saying that. Though. We don't know. So why why are they saying it now? Why why you know and uh, it's uh, yeah yeah you know where I, I'm going. I I totally understand your mentality. Yeah, you're absolutely right. But ask that person, ask that same person that says prices are too high if yeah. they're going to be higher in five years. Then yeah. the answer will always be yes. You know, True. and I would imagine they would be willing to admit that. But they seem to be waiting for the one year that it goes down a bit or, or two, and then they're ready to go. Then the time is there. Well, uh, anyway. And they still won't be ready. No. Yeah, yeah that's it. So, look, uh, it, it's about mindset and perspective, how, how you choose to see it. Uh, Jared, how can people get in touch with you? You can leave your number and email here now, and they can write it down. And yeah. as well, it'll be in the show notes. So how can people get in touch with you? Okay, so you want me to tell you my cell phone number right now so everyone sure, can call. why not yeah so it's 514 589 I'm always interested in, in talking with uh, prospective investors and, and current investors to see what's going on and uh, my email is at uh, JJ Henderson that's h-e-n-d-e-r-s-o-n 555 at gmail.com and so I'm always looking to uh, network with more like-minded investors or people thinking about getting into the game and haven't taken the first step. Please get in touch with me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, Sandy, how can people get in touch with you? 289-389-6846. That would Info. be the best way. And you? Uh, info at breakthroughreipodcast.ca. Or, yeah, you could call me 289 Nine two seven zero four six four. A lot of numbers there to remember. Just um, and and you know what? I got in crap with my coach because I don't talk about what I'm doing enough. So I'm gonna. So one of our uh, very best markets that we're in right now is Peterborough, and I'm up there all the time. I just think there's a tremendous uh, opportunity there for people that are looking for cash flow and appreciation. There is two post-secondary schools up there. Um, a lot of people are buying the exact same property that you would to add a second suite here in Durham. Maybe just having that as a backup plan like Jared was talking about and then moving uh, and, then, and then starting off with a less capital uh, heavy investment. And that is like just adding the, the six bedrooms, maybe even seven bedrooms to a single family home and renting them to students at 600 and 650, you know, per room. So the numbers there make a lot of sense. We're looking at prices that are a little bit higher, like Jared said, than they were a while ago. But now, you know, typically right in around the 400 K mark is where you're getting a nice three bedroom, uh, three plus one or two bedrooms, whatever raised bungalow in, in a nice area close to the school. So, you know, the numbers still look fantastic. And if anyone's interested in that kind of investment, give me a call. I'm going to say uh, my I also, Rob, I also heard the 407 is connecting with the 150 next year. Is that, is that true or is that a rumor? 
Yeah, it'll be the end of the year or beginning of next year. I think they might have delayed a little bit, but yeah, I think that that's going to add a another aspect to it, right? It's very close now, and uh, it just uh, the East is getting closer. That's going to tie it right into to Toronto, right? Even yeah. more so. Especially over the top end of Toronto, right? New Market and Aurora and Markham, those kind of things. It's going to really make the accessibility much, much quicker. Yeah. Okay. Give me a call if anyone's interested in that. Sandy, what kind of it, what kind of uh, stuff are you doing? We're going to talk about that a bit because we never do. That's true. Okay. We'll spend a minute or two. I'll give a brief, uh, brief update before we uh, shut it down here. But yeah, we've, uh, we doing a lot of stuff in Hamilton for sure. Like I said, we got the property management company now. We got uh, we actually just partnered with a, a contractor. We uh, we have our own construction company now, um, which helps us. We're doing a lot of the the BRR strategy, so we kind of looked at tying all those in and getting some more ownership around the the key parts of it. Obviously, we can buy stuff as the realtors, um, or you know, get some some inside scoops on things, I guess, as realtors, we can now do the construction, we can now do the management side of it. So just having a little more control over all that. So we've been uh, focused on that and making sure we run those, those projects smoother and uh, more efficiently. So yeah, we've just been doing a lot of that and, uh, and as well, just doing that with partners and different, different, uh, different sort of structures there, but uh, buying a lot of properties. That's, that's been our goal and making sure that that, that process is getting smoother. But you so, know what? That's great. Yeah. Thank you, Sandy. We, we got to talk about this stuff more, <laughs> but anyway, let's get back to Jared real quick before we let him go. Uh, I just want to say, you know, that, um, that if anyone's sort of wanted to, I, I don't want to say dip their toe in the water, but let's just call it, if someone's new to investing and they want to mitigate some of the risk that can be involved with it and partnering with somebody that's already doing it, you know, doing what you want to do, if that's something you're interested in and definitely give Jared a call. Uh, again, his number is 514-589-8355 and all that's in the show notes again. Thanks Jared. I think we got a lot of good info out of you. I really like those tips that you had. Yeah. And, uh, thanks, thanks for, for being here. Well, thanks for having me. This is a lot of fun and, um, happy investing. Great. Thanks. Thanks. Okay. See you next time, guys. Yeah.